we're talking about, I, I, I've been praying about today, I've been praying about tonight, and uh, one of the things that's come to my mind is like, what do we do in crazy times? Right? Because we agreed the world is crazy. Amen. It's not getting less crazy. It's, it can be, who, who would even say that in the past couple weeks, it's gotten straight up scary? Would anybody agree, right? It's gotten scary. There's, it's been a scary time, for sure. I understand that. That's, that's the reality of it. In fact, for some of us, we are taking a fresh look at uh, the Bible and what it says about Israel uh, in the end times and all these different things in a fresh way because there is a little bit of fear that's creeping up. It's, 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 we're like, wow, we didn't think that it was going to uh, happen so fast or after all this time or this or that. And I just want to encourage you with a few things that God has a direction for us as godly people when crazy times happen. Okay? Now, I, before I start, I just want to make a balancing statement that Pastor Nate is not up here saying that this is it. It's the end. All right? Everybody hear that? Pastor Nate is not saying that. Okay? The, the church has had a bad track record of saying it's the end when it wasn't the end, okay? You go back through history, like, you go back, you go back a long ways. People were convinced World War I was the Battle of Armageddon. They were convinced of it. There were churches that were preaching that up and down, right? People, when, 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 um, when social security numbers were released, way back when we had to talk about this last week, when the social security number was released, you know, for like the public use, people were convinced it was the mark of the beast, right? That ain't it, you know? Like, we, the church has a bad track record sometimes of calling it the end when we are not at the end, right? So I want to start this off with kind of encouraging you and speaking to you the words of Jesus. Because if we don't, sometimes what we do is we, we pull up to, to sections of Scripture, we read it. Instead of doing what it tells us to do, we get afraid and we don't want to read it, right? One of those uh, passages of Scripture here is Matthew um, 24. That's verses 8 to 4, okay? This is when Jesus' disciples come to him. And they're like, tell us the signs of the end times, right? I don't know about you, but in the past when I would get to that section of scripture, I'd just skip it, right? Let's just be honest with each other. I would just skip it. It seems, that seems scary. I don't want to read that, right? Um, i just skip it because the parables are right after that. And we love the parables. We did a whole thing on the parables just uh, recently, right? We love the parables. But I want to read to you just the first portion there of what Jesus says, because if we skip it, then we're missing what our God, who is Jesus, is called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace wants to tell you something in the midst of the chaos. And if we skip it, we won't hear it. Amen? Right? If the Bible is our guiding light, if it is true and entirely true, if it is faithful and trustworthy, we have to trust it in all of it. Amen? So I'm going to look, we're looking here at Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 8. All right, so they asked Jesus, what is the sign of the end times, right? And this is what Jesus says, right? He says, uh, verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and, I, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Like I said, it's getting spicy. He says, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Not the thing you find printed on a pillow, right? You don't go to, you don't go to, to Lancaster and find that on a, on a bed quilt, right? That's not, that's not the comforting words that normally we want to snuggle up to at night. But look at what Jesus says in the middle of this thing. If we just read that, we blow past that. We hear wars and earthquakes and pestilence, and we're like, oh, this is scary. 
Look at what Jesus says right in the middle of this thing. See that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. That's not saying, see, he's, we, we skip that in our minds. Because you can't read these other things and think to yourself, oh, it's fine. This is okay. Right? Nobody would do that in our right minds. We would not say it's totally fine that there's, it says all these, these crazy things, right? But he says, see that you are not troubled. You know that word troubled there, it actually means uh, to be paralyzed by fear. It means to be shaking in fear, right? Have you ever been so afraid of something you just shake? You don't know what to do, right? There's a paralyzing sense when we can get, we can get frozen in fear, right? Don't, you don't need... Be, take heed. You don't need to be afraid. Do you know why you don't need to be afraid? I'm going to give you three reasons why you don't need to be afraid. One, you don't need to be troubled because our God is one, the Prince of Peace. I already mentioned that. He's the Prince of Peace. Sometimes we have things going on in life, right, where there's like, I don't know about you, but there, sometimes there are circumstances that happen in life. And there can be this temptation of like, oh, my world is falling apart. God, what are you trying to tell me? Or we feel afraid and we're like, God, are you trying to tell me something? Or we feel anxious and we're like, God, are you trying to tell me something? Can I tell you? The Prince of Peace is not going to speak to you in fear, right? He's not going to speak to you in depression or through depression, should I say. He's not going to speak to you out of chaos. He's going to speak to you through peace. He's the Prince of of peace. He's not the prince of chaos. He's not the prince of fear. He's not the prince of worry. He's the prince of peace. So I just want to encourage you. Your God is the prince of peace. That means you have access to the one who can give you peace in the midst of this. Right? All throughout scripture, we see that God preserves his people. All throughout scripture, God is taking people in terrible situations or circumstances, and he is bringing them up and out of it. Right? Just ask Noah. <laughs> Not my Noah. The Noah, right? The first Noah. Just ask him, right? It, it, nothing was going the way he probably imagined it would have gone in his teenage years. But God brought him and his family out of it. You know, the Bible doesn't even say that Noah's family was righteous. It just says that Noah was righteous. <laughs> That's it. And God preserved him and his whole family, his whole household. Right? He, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Second thing, we don't need to be troubled because we know how it ends. Right. Amen. We do. We know how this whole thing all plays out. I don't know about you. The first time I watch a movie, right, it's awesome. Hopefully. I mean, if it's a good movie, right? First time I watched Endgame, when, uh, right, when, when, when the whole Marvel thing was like really big, now it's like, it's too much of it to know what's happening, right? But when Endgame came out, it was like the biggest movie of the year. It was like trillions of dollars worldwide. I couldn't even calculate it all, right? The first time I watched that, it was awesome. It was so cool. We saw it in the theaters. It was crazy. The second time I watched it, it was pretty good. Third and fourth time, I knew how it ended, right? Now that's bad for a movie. It's called The Law of Diminishing Returns. Can I tell you, we don't, we let the Law of Diminishing Returns take effect over fear, because we know how it ends, right? We know that the end is good. In fact, this whole Matthew 24, if, we, if you skip Matthew 24, you miss all about 
God talks about how he is coming for his people, and he is going to restore peace, and he is coming to, to rescue the world. That it is, it, the whole thing Jesus is talking about, he's coming back, and it's going to be amazing, right? If we just get caught up in part one, we never get to see how awesome it is in part two of that chapter, right? We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be troubled. And the third reason is we don't need to be troubled because you are not powerless, Did you hear that? You are not powerless. Fear is a byproduct of of weakness, of powerlessness, of the feeling incapable of doing something about your situation. That's the number one driver of fear. Did you hear that? We are not in that position. And now, no, we don't have control. Who likes to have control over things? Is anybody control? Let's Let's be honest with each other. You like to have control? Okay, yeah, a few people are honest. That's good. God bless you. Thank you for being honest, okay? Let's just face it. We like to be in control of situations. And if you don't like to be in control of situations, then I assume a, a t- when your tire blows out on the parkway, that never bothered you. Right? <laughs> we don't like to be out of control of things. By nature as human beings, we like the feeling of control. We just do. And no, we don't have control over all this stuff out there. We just don't. But we are in the hands of the one who is in complete control. We are in the hands of the one who is in complete control, right? So we don't need to be afraid when these things happen. We don't need to be full of turmoil. We don't need to act like the rest of the world that's sitting here being like, what's happening? We can trust that God is in control. Does that mean that everything's going on is okay? No. It doesn't mean it's all okay. It means that you are here for such a time as this. God has handpicked you, handmade you to be here at this exact moment to be part of what he's doing in the world because you're his church. Amen? So I hope that encourages you. Listen, you don't need to be afraid. That's in my message. I was just, I'm just, I think we need to know this. Amen? All right. Let's talk, start with the message. Okay. <laughs> I promise I'll be short. I, I won't be long. Okay. So, so there's three things, I, I have lots of threes here, right? There's three things that I feel like the, the, the Lord has, has kind of given me as I've just been praying about tonight about um, how do we, what is, what is the response for us as the church in these crazy times, right? What, what is our response with everything going on, right? Because we don't just, it's not just that there's unrest in the Middle East. It's not that we're living the part of the verse where it says wars and rumors of wars, right? It's not that all these things are going on. It's that there's such a division everywhere of you must choose sides, right? You must this or that. And the reality is like God has called you and I to be the church, right? To be the church everywhere. To to be the church that is on one hand mandated to pray for Israel and on the other hand mandated to pray for our enemies, right? Uh, We have, we have, God has given us so much authority as his people to do something about this craziness in the world that we can, we, we, we miss Man, we, we miss the amount of power you and I have, the capability we have if we just think that we're just bystanders. None of you are on the bleachers of what's happening in the world. Each and every one of us are in the game because we're still here. God let us be here. He allowed us to be here for such a time as this. All right, so the first thing that we can do as the church in this crazy times is one, we can be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. This comes from Deuteronomy 31 verse six. It says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, 
For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. A few things I want to point out in that. First and foremost, that word strong in the Hebrew doesn't just mean, it's not talking about going hit the gym, right? Has anybody read that and you're like, man, I need to go pump iron. No, right? It actually means to put on strength or put on um, like, like emotional fortitude, right? And that word courage means to step out. It means it's a courage of action. It's not a passive courage, right? It's a courage of I'm going to step into where God has called me. It's, it's, it's having the courage to take steps of faith, right? Because right here, God's calling them into the promised land, right? God's calling the, the Israelites into the promised land. And that word leave, if you go down, uh, he will not leave you nor forsake you. That word leave, in some of your Bibles, that might be translated as the word fail. He will not fail you nor forsake you. It's the word rafa. Everybody say rafa. Rafa. Sounds like rafa. <laughs> Good point. Right? It means frail, weak, feeble. Your God the God who lives in you, if you said Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the God who is living inside of you is not frail or feeble or weak. Can I tell you, sometimes when I get scared of things, I think God has forgotten about me. I think God's concerned with other things. He's over there, really worried about that stuff, and, you know, not by electric bill, right? You know? I can get afraid thinking that God is, is far away or he's forgotten about me or, or he's, he'll, he'll make his way back around. You know, God's not the cosmic waiter. If you ever like, has a waiter ever come to your table and said, can I take your order? You're like, no, not yet. I need one minute. And then they're gone for like a half hour. Right? right? Have you ever had that moment? You know, that's worse, especially if you're on a date, right? That's the worst if you're on a date, especially if you're on a time crunch, right? You know, and then you're like waiting there. You don't want to bother anybody. God's not your cosmic waiter who's going to be around here some point this century and then gone for the next couple of years. That's not your God. Your God is present with you. He never leaves you. He's not frail. He's not going to abandon you. He will never forsake you. He's not walking away from you. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay, number two. Everybody say number two. The second thing we can do. Okay, that wasn't fair. Everybody say number two. Okay, that was better. Okay, the last time it was just Preston. So thank you, Preston. The second thing we can be is faithful to the calling that God has given you. We can be faithful to the calling that God has given you. Do you know that God has called you? You have a calling on your life? Do you know that? Some of us, we don't know what that is yet. Some of us have been in the Lord for a long time. We're not sure how that whole thing looks yet. That's okay. I just want to read you a few verses here. I'm just going to like blast these off, so stick with me. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, it will be given to you. All right? Romans 8, 28. We, this one's on all the pillows in Amish land, for the record. And we know that all things, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everybody say, that's me. That's you. That's correct. You are called according to his purpose. Can I tell you, you cannot make Jesus Lord and Savior and not be called according to his purposes. 
just to be fair. Sometimes we're like, am I called? I'm, I'm, we get worried about, oh, Lord, is that me? Yes, that's you. <laughs> you cannot have the living God inside of you and not be called, right? 2 Corinthians 5.18, just the second portion of this verse it says, uh, we have been reconciled, uh, he has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, ready? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We, listen, whatever you, wherever you're at here, whether you're, you've been in the Lord for like a, a day and a half, all right? Or you've been in the Lord for like 6,000 years, wherever you're at, if you're a time traveler. Um, just kidding. Some of you aren't laughing at my jokes, that's Okay. Right, wherever you're at, if you've been here in the Lord for a long time or you're brand new to the Lord, listen, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you're over, we're helping at the food pantry, serving the, the hundreds of families a night, or you're, you're yeah, which is amazing, or you're, you're just, you're, you're, you're an usher, or you, you, you don't know what you're supposed to do yet, or you're just, you're just trying to figure out how to, how to share the gospel with the people at work or, or family members, or you just find yourself, you know what, you can't do much, but you can pray. You are part of God's ministry of reconciliation, which means God is reconciling. He is bringing back the world to him, and you're part of that process. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're going through in life, whatever it is that is facing you today, you have a part of that great reconciliation. You are bringing a broken world back to Jesus. Amen? And the third thing, right, the final thing that we can do, we can pray. Now, I just want to pause right here. We sometimes don't pray like we ought to pray. Does anybody agree with that? We don't pray like we ought to pray because we get afraid that God isn't hearing our prayers. Kind of going back to my first point there. We can get afraid that God is not listening to our prayers. We get fearful that he is far off, that he's distant, right? Or that we feel that, you know, and sometimes, can I tell you, sometimes we can, we can buy the lie. I've heard, it, I've heard it one too many times where I heard a politician say, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. Can I tell you, we are severely underselling the power that is in prayer. In fact, the reality is, I, if we have stopped believing in the power of prayer, it's because we stopped praying, not because prayer stopped being powerful. Can I tell you, that's just, that's just a reality for me, right? Prayer is hard. Prayer is hard because it means trusting the infinite, powerful, almighty God to pick up where you leave off. Can I tell you that, you know, one of the commandments God gives is to honor the Sabbath, right? That's that, that's, we, we treat the Sunday as Sabbath, right? Um, but that's not because the Sabbath isn't, it's, it's not just about not working, right? The Sabbath is about trusting God to do what you can't. In fact, trusting God enough to provide for you when you can't provide for yourself, Trusting God to do with one day dedicated to him, then seven days, you trying to do it all on your own strength. That same mindset, we have to translate to prayer. Because if we don't pray, we are missing out on the power of, of God's word and his promises and the power that Jesus displayed. Right? Here's, here's, let's just be real. Let's be honest with each other, right? The day I asked Jesus to be my Savior, I trusted him in prayer for my eternal state. But sometimes I don't trust God with praying for little things. And worse yet, sometimes we think that, again, we're bothering God. 
Like I said, he's the cosmic waiter coming around. We don't want to bother him while he's in the middle of what he's got to do. And so we don't pray. Can I tell you, I was, I, 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 when I was like 16 years old, I was working at AC Moore, which I don't even think is around anymore. Um, and there was somebody who practiced witchcraft, who was buying crystals, right? And I, a conversation, like the Lord led a conversation to, to strike up there. By the way, this got me fired. <laughs> but we, we were talking about, she was looking for this crystal and that crystal, and she's asking me all these things, and I'm like 16, I don't know what's what, right? So I, have no, I just started working there, and it wasn't very long I worked there. So she's asking me all these things. I'm like, can I ask what, what, you're, what craft you're trying to make? She's like, oh, no, I use this one for healing, and I use this crystal for yada yada, and this one's for my irritable bowel syndrome, like whatever it is. I'm not saying that she said that, but it was pretty close. Right? And like all these different crystals and gems that she wanted to use for these different things. And I was like, and like the Lord just impressed upon me, like this was an opportunity for me to like share the gospel with her. Right? So I was like, I was like, well, you know, I don't know if you, you have, you believe in God or anything, but like, you know, the Bible promises that God hears us when we pray. These, he says to bring all these kinds of things to him in prayer. And she, her response was this. She says, oh, I believe in God, but I don't want to trouble him. I'd rather just do this. I can take care of it myself. And then impress something powerful upon me. When I say to God, I got it, right? When I tell God, I don't need your help for this thing over here, I am practicing witchcraft because I'm saying, I don't need you in this other part of my life, right? It's rebellion. The sin of witchcraft is rebellion right? And I'm saying, I don't need you guys. I need God in everything. I don't know about you, but I've learned, one thing I've learned in 34 years of life is that I'm not good at anything. I'm just not. I don't do things very well. I need to, like, I need to pray. There's a reason, you know, in America, we don't, we, we don't pray over meals like you do if you're on a missions trip. Have you ever noticed that? If you're ever on a missions trip, right, overseas or in like a third world country, you pray over your food different because you know that you need the Lord's intervention, right? I can't, I was in Ecuador and I, I'm looking at this bowl of something and I'm like, Lord, you gotta, not, you gotta not let the dysentery do dysentery things to me, you know? There's just a chicken's foot still twitching in there. I'm serious, <laughs> right? I prayed differently. But only because I was convicted to. The reality is I need the Lord in every moment of my life. There's a reason the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Because we need him. We need his power in our everyday life. Because if we don't have God's power in our everyday life, our everyday life is just everyday ordinary. That's not what God did not call you to live an ordinary life. You're called to live an extraordinary life. You're called to be the living example of Jesus Christ to the world today. That's what you're called to. No pressure. Right? We need to pray. We need to be a people of prayer. What I love is uh, when after Hurricane Sandy, we had, um, uh, we had, oh, I'm blanking. Samaritan's Purse, thank you. Yes, Samaritan's Purse was here. And uh, one of the things that they said, and they said it all the time, they always said, they said, pray, because prayer is help. They said, what can you do to help? They would always say, pray, because prayer is help. That was like a mantra. They said it all the time. I heard that, I heard that like, for the years that they were here, I heard that like every week. 
you know? And they were absolutely right. They were convinced that praying was helping, right? We have become convinced that prayer is just hopeful thinking. That's not it. Prayer is powerful because we get to go before the infinite, powerful, almighty, outside of time, outside of matter, outside of finances, God, who can do anything with anything and wants to do it through you. Amen? I'm going to wrap up here. Believe it or not, we're wrapping up. But my wrap-up's probably not short, so. (laughs) Ish. Who knows? Luke 5, verse 12 to 16. This is what it says. Jesus is going to heal heal the leper here. He's he's just now coming to fame. It says, while Jesus was uh, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell uh, with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him not to tell anyone, but to go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded uh, for your cleansing as testimony to them. That is a picture for the record. Those are all about who Jesus is as the Messiah. That is a testimony of him being the Messiah. Those sacrifices that Moses commanded. So Jesus does this, right? And he tells the man not to go and tell anyone, tell anybody. And immediately all the people in the surrounding region play a game called find the Messiah, right? Because it says, uh, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness, right? Which makes sense. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was here physically, I, I don't care where he was. If he's over in Pennsylvania, if he's out in Amish land, I'm going there, right? Like if Jesus was physically here upon the earth, I'd try to go find him, right? They had a good mentality. I'll tell you what, you're never doing something wrong when you're saying, I'm going to go to Jesus. Amen? Right? You're never doing something wrong, no matter how crazy life might be for you. If you are heading to Jesus, you're going in the right direction. Amen? So they make the people of the surrounding towns make a decision. They're going to go find the Messiah. Who is the Jesus? And it says they come from all over the place. I want you to look at this. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I want you to think about this. Follow me here with this. Jesus, who is the Messiah, has the ability and power to pray, or ability and power to heal, to command things like leprosy to leave people, and it does. He has control over the elements. This is the God who spoke to wind and waves and told them to stop, and they did, right? He is here. He is is in a world full of people who need him. For the record, so many times throughout Scripture, it says all who came to him were healed, right? Jesus is doing huge amounts of work. They are coming by the masses, by the thousands, by the multitudes. That's what the Bible says. They don't even try to count, right? They're coming in droves to Jesus. They're pressing in to get to Jesus. They're trying to connect to the living God. They are trying to receive from God what only Jesus can do. If I was on Jesus's ministry team, I would be like, let's plant services, right? Let's get the word, let's put out flyers, right? Like, let's, let's, how do we, how do we facilitate this? Let's buy more chairs, right? Whatever it takes to to make sure that, that there was room for people to get to Jesus, that would have been my primary goal. 
But Jesus did something opposite of everybody else. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus would heal the sick, cast out demons, restore sight to the blind. He was doing all that, and he was about to do that more. But he often withdrew. That means that there were people who still wanted to get to Jesus that were there waiting in line, probably for hours, to have a moment with Jesus to be healed, to be restored, for the power of God to move upon their life. Jesus, if, 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 if I was in Jesus' shoes, man, I would be tempted to just like, to be there all day, do everything I could to just try and like, that's where the need is, the people's where the need is, I gotta go to where the need is. And Jesus did that, but he didn't do that without first going to his Father. Amen? He didn't do that without first spending time with his heavenly Father, because Jesus knew that the best thing he could do for all the needy, for all the broken, for all the hurting, for all the places that there was just no answer for except Jesus, the best thing he could do for them was to first be with his heavenly Father. We have to have that mindset. One of the first things Pastor Jim taught me when I was like an intern, right, way back when, was that the important things often aren't urgent, and urgent things often are not important. Can I tell you, I've never woken up—actually, I take that back—twice ever in my life have I woken up out of a sleep with an urgency to prayer, with like an urgency I need to pray. And both times, I didn't even know what I was praying for. I still don't know what I was praying for. But there's like an urgency I need to be praying. Otherwise, I've never like, like got home at night or woken up in the morning or sat there having my Cheerios thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I need to pray, and ran off to pray, right? In fact, prayer is often the last thing on the mind because like there's so many other things that are urgent that I have to do, and so many of those things are just not important, right? What's important for us is connecting first with our Heavenly Father. Our vertical relationship with God is our first priority. Because if we take God out of the number one priority, everything else falls into to chaos, right? If Jesus is at the center of our lives, then everything rotates around him in perfect unity, right? You take Jesus out of that, everything goes crazy in the other directions. Jesus understood his first responsibility was to get with his heavenly father and pray that that was going to give him the, the, the ability to go and do what God had placed him there to do, right? In fact, and it's crazy, even like, like Jesus was God. Jesus didn't need, in my opinion, to do anything to heal people because he's God. He had complete authority, and yet he walked a life of submission to his father's will. It's mind-blowing. God of the universe prayed. There's a reason that his disciples said, asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Because he was doing it all the time. Right? He was doing it all the time. Prayer changes things. Things happen. I, I, I've said this before uh, with, with some of you guys, right? Things happen when we pray that just don't happen when we don't pray. And sometimes we try to like quantify it, right? Have you ever tried to quantify how much prayer something needs? Let's be honest, right? Sometimes we look at a problem in our life, and we're like, oh, that's going to be like, I have four hours I got to pray. 
We're just going to be like, what am I going to squeeze in? If I do 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there, five minutes in the car, right? Like, we can look at problems in our life and think that, like, like, we have to quantify how much we need to pray over things. Can I tell you, that's not God's picture, right? It is being in relationship, in consistent connection, right? One of the ways that I've described in the past is it's like uh, we are, the, the Bible describes that you and I are meant to be a conduit of God's power to the world, right? What's a conduit do? It grabs on one side, it grabs onto the power source, and the other side, it grabs onto whatever it's powering. We're meant to be that conduit, right? God wants to move through you and I to make a difference. Are we spending enough time with our Heavenly Father to make that difference? Does that make sense? I hope that doesn't, I hope that doesn't scare you or discourage you, right? I hope that doesn't make you feel nervous or afraid. I hope that you feel empowered because you're, you are part of the solution. Tonight, right now, Tom's River, New Jersey, at the Church of Grace and Peace, you sitting in your seat are part of what God wants to do to heal a broken world. You are part of the solution. Your existence, your very existence is a threat to hell. Your very existence means that there is salt and light in America. Your very existence means that the gospel can still go forward because you're here. Will you let God step in? That's my challenge for you tonight. Will you let God step in? Because when God uses us, Things just happen that don't happen when we run the other direction. Amen? So listen, I know it's like we're wrapping up just a little bit early, but I want to encourage you that there's, things might get crazier out there. Things might get, listen, I don't know what the future holds, right? It might get more concerning. It might get more worrying. It might get more whatever. Fill in the blank. Whatever the future holds, God holds the future. Right, amen? So we're not going to be a people of fear. I, I, I said again, just to, to call back that Jesus said that he is the Prince of Peace, right? The, he described himself as the Prince of Peace. Let's be a church that acts like we worship the Prince of Peace. Amen? amen? When we step out those doors tonight, when tomorrow morning we see the news, whatever it is that you talk about at work tomorrow or the day after, let's be a people who when people look at us, they see the Prince of Peace. Right? Jesus said, see that you are not troubled, right? You don't need to be troubled. The God of the universe is walking with you. Be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you wherever you may go, right? Whether you go this way or that way, you read, if you go and read Joshua, the, little, the picture is wherever you go, wherever you decide to go, you go this way, you go that way, you turn to the left, to the right, the Lord is with you. That's the picture for us. Wherever you go tonight, wherever you go tomorrow, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Amen? Hey, if you're able, would you just stand with me? And we're going to close here. And I do want to encourage you, just as we're about to pray, that if you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. There are folks here that would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Um, I've been talking, so hopefully I get a breath mint in my face before I pray with you. But I would love to pray with you. Because prayer changes things. And if you need prayer for something, don't walk out of here trying to wait on on a better time to reach God because God sent Jesus to to take our place on the cross so that he could have right now with you. God doesn't want to wait another minute to hear his children ask him for what they need. 
Amen? So Heavenly Father, tonight, God, we put our faith and our trust in you in a fresh and powerful way. Lord, we say that you are king over every situation that's entering into our life. In fact, I'm, I, church, I'm just going to pause right here. Can we just do something? Hold on, wait. Yeah, if you closed your eyes and you checked out, don't check out. Hold on, look at me. We're going to do something. I just feel like we're going to do something a little different here. Can we all hold hands? No, I mean like let's make a circle. I'm coming down, I'll come down here. Can, are you willing to step out of your seat and let's make one big circle? I know this is... If you, if you're, if you, if that, if being in a circle holding hands is super terrifying, it's okay. You don't have to, but I would say, I, I have a mint for the record. Um, so we're all good. What's up, dude? By the way, if you're, if you're super nervous, we do have hand sanitizer in the lobby afterwards. I'm just letting you all know. Oh, you guys are awesome. This is, the, this is the prettiest amoeba I have ever seen. This is incredible. This is one of the best. This is, this conga line that just happened, that was my favorite thing I've seen tonight. That was beautiful. It, it's all good. If, if we're, if, whatever, it's all good. Whatever, ha- you don't, feel free. If you're, it's all good. You don't have to, but I feel like we're in a pretty good spot right here. This is, this is beautiful. All right, listen, I, 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 we've never, I don't think we've done this probably ever at the Church of Grace and Peace. So congratulations on being a first. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. This is breaking ground. Um, I want to pray for each and every one of you right now. And we're going we're gonna to hold hands because when you hold hands, you're, you're not, it's a symbol that we are unified. We are not, I am not praying for you and we're separately in our seats. We are the church together. So we're going to pray as the church together. All right. Heavenly Father. We invite you in to this group right here. Father, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand. God, we ask for your power to be poured out upon us. God, we recognize that you have called us to be your church. God, you've have, you have, you have appointed us the, the ministry of reconciliation. So, Father, I pray around this circle here, Father, every person that has come to this place feeling powerless, weak, or fearful, that, God, you would pour out your spirit upon them. That, God, you, your word promises that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against everywhere that we have come in with, with worry, Father, or doubt, or even wondering if you're even really there. God, I pray that you would break through everywhere that there is doubt or worry that you have let us go or you missed us, you forgot us. God, we know that that is a lie from the pit of hell, and we break that in the, by the authority of Jesus. God, around this room, I pray that where there is a need, Father, in every form. Father, I pray that in the midst of the chaos of the world, where there is financial need, where there is relational need, where there is broken relationship, Father, where there is need for supply in whatever way that looks like, God, we thank you that you have called us the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that, Father, you have set us aside and apart to be your church, to be the, the authority in the earth, bringing you governing power of your spirit. Lord, and so I pray that you would supply us like you called us to be, a royal priesthood. Father, I pray that you would come in power and might all around this room. God, in a fresh and powerful way, Father, we lift up the person to the left and to the right, that God, you would move upon us. God, let your power be seen in our lives, in our families, Father, in our situations. God, in the things that we don't even have the ability to articulate, to use human words, to to ask for need or help. God, thank you that, Holy Spirit, you intercede for us, even in groanings we can't even begin to describe. God, you're with us, and you see us, and we invite you in. Lord, all around this room, Father, we pray that you would bring peace to a broken world. 
God in the chaos in Israel and, and Gaza, Father, in the chaos in, in Europe and, Father, with Russia. Lord, there's all these things that are going on that feel so outside of our control. God, we pray that you would intervene, that you would move in power, God, and move powerfully upon us to be part of your solution in the world. We surrender in a fresh way every need and every worry by the authority of Jesus. If you guys agree together, can we say amen? Amen. Amen.